We worship the living God when he has provided all the wonderful things that he has promised. And David's thinking is, no, I absolutely worship the God of all glory when my life is at its worst. Our lament as a believer takes us to the very heart of God the Father. Our lament, our crying out as a Christian takes us right into the throne room of God Almighty. Thanks for tuning in to the Trinity Presbyterian Church weekly podcast. We're glad you joined us. Trinity is a member congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America and the Acts 29 Network. We are located in Owasso, Oklahoma. Follow us at trinityowasso.com. Also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Trinity Owasso. Thank you, Trinity Church, for your generosity to us. Uh, it, it's an amazing thing to plant a church. Uh, there is nothing more exciting, I think, as a pastor. Uh, when a person walks in who's lived in a city for years and years, and they look at each other, a couple will look at each other, and they'll say, you guys believe the Bible. You read the Bible. How long have you been here? We're so thankful that you're here. We never thought you were here. Um, and so you have generously made that possible, even in the midst of struggling to get a building in your own place. Uh, I, I love what Trinity Church has done for us. We are very grateful. Uh, I get to preach from Psalm 31. Blake chose a text for me, or Scott, I don't know who chose it. Um, and, and I like it when somebody else chooses a text because it's hard. It's hard to show up just for one week, a one-off sermon. You look through the files and you try to find the best one. Uh, but they gave me a text and I thought, well, that's great, a psalm. Now, you know there are all types of psalms and I guess you guys have been going through the psalms over the summer. There are the psalms that are like a hymn, a hymn of thanksgiving, like Psalm 103, praise the Lord. There are hymns of thanksgiving, the one right after this, Psalm 32, blessed is the one whose transgression are forgiven. There are hymns of confidence, Psalm 131. Uh, hymns of, uh, psalms of assurance. Um, I've comforted and quieted my soul. Psalms of remembrance, like Psalm 78, uh, recounts all that God has done, or Psalm 107, let him give thanks to the Lord. There are psalms of wisdom, Psalm 19, the Lord is perfect, the wisdom of the Lord is right and true, Psalm 119. There are kingship psalms. Now when I put those quotes in the bulletin, it was interesting, the quote from Luther that was here at the top that said, uh, where blooms sweet, refreshing, gladdening flowers of holy and happy thoughts about God and all his benefits. In my notes I said, except the psalms of lament. <laughs> I have a psalm of lament, a whiny psalm, a psalm of sorrow, a psalm of sadness. It seems the opposite of the hymn psalms, a psalm of lament. And uh, how appropriate for where we are. Definitely been a hard year. The hardest I remember in over 20 years of pastoring. Difficult, difficult situations. I have felt with the onset of the pandemic, uh, similar to what Lewis says about turning a light on in the basement. He says if you go down to the basement of your house and you turn a light on and, and cockroaches go running, he's like, the light didn't cause the cockroaches. They were there. 
The light just showed what was there. And I think in some ways this pandemic has shown what is there. And for many of us pastors, it has been very, very disheartening. It's been very hard. We think we have a, a great community. We think we have strong connections. We think we have a community that will withstand all sorts of things. And I don't know how it's been here. I, I really don't. Blake didn't ask me to talk about this. But, but we had people just leave as soon as we followed the mandate for masks. Just leave. Didn't write, didn't say anything. Um, people you'd been in the hospital with, people you'd prayed over, people just, just gone. And, and I just, just tore up my soul. I thought, is that all it takes? to tear us apart. Um, I had some losses. Lost my father-in-law. We had brokenness in our family. Lots of horrible things happening. And so you turn to the Psalms of lament. And I do feel it's this amazing gift. Here, O oh Christian, is how you can pour your heart out to the Lord who is your shepherd. Here's an appropriate and right way. Now, I'm kind of a melancholic person at times. The extroverted side likes to make everybody happy, but when I'm by myself, it's ridiculous the music I listen to. It's like the sadder, the better. Remember my wife and daughter got in the car one day, and I, I, can't, I, I don't remember who the band is, but, but they, they get in, and, and I, I was kind of blue, and we turn the car on, and, and the music says, such a lonely day, I barely survived. And they, my wife and daughter are like, Dad, why? Honey, why do you listen to this? I'm like, because it's so sad. <laughs> and I love it. How do you handle your laments? Now, um, I, I'm going to read this psalm, and I'm, I'm going to kind of outline a little bit of, of the, the elements of the psalm and I want you to be able to take from this here when I don't know what to pray when my soul is down when I'm frustrated when I'm angry I, I can go to this and I can make it my own I'm glad that we have used the passage from the cross where Jesus cries out from Psalm 31 he also cries out from Psalm 22 he uses the words of the psalmist and how great where we stand in light of the cross. How great, how much easier for us to make sense of everything. I mean, I hope you just realize that as the followers of God, what a blessing it is to live when we live on this side of the cross and to know these words that our own Savior on the cross cried these same very words out to his Father. Why have you forsaken me? Into your hand I commit my spirit. Psalm of Lament, inspired model. And so here's, here's how they usually work out. If you've got it in your bulletin here, you might be able to pick this apart as I read through it, but, but there is an invocation similar to our worship. We, we call on the name of God. There uh, is a plea to God for help early on in the Psalms of Lament. God, please help me. Then there's a list of your complaints. Here's all that's bothering me. Here is all that is wrong in the world. Oftentimes that's followed by a confession of sin. My iniquities, the psalmist says. And even that's just beautiful, that, that our iniquities don't keep us from going to the Lord. It's the reason 
we go to the Lord. There's a confession of sin. Sometimes there's an assertion of innocence against an accuser. There's an asking of the Lord, please, justice on our enemies. There's a confidence that God will hear and he will respond. And then there's a hymn at the end or a blessing at the end. And so we'll see that as I read this psalm. Psalm 31. This is the word of God. If you're able, please stand for the reading of his word. (coughs) In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress, and for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net they've hidden for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love because you have seen my affliction. You have known the distress of my soul and you have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a broad place. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. Because of all my adversaries, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I've been forgotten like one who is dead. I've become like a broken vessel. For I hear the whispering of many, terror on every side, as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servants. Save me in your steadfast love. O Lord, let me not be put to shame, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently to Sheol. Let the lying lips be mute, which speak insolently against the righteous in pride and contempt. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you, in the sight of the children of mankind. In the cover of your presence, you hide them from the plots of men. You store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was in a besieged city. I said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight, but you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. Love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. The grass withers, the flower fades. The word of our God will stand forever. You may be seated. I know that Trinity has really good tech resources. Not so much Grove America. When we went online, it was a rough go. It was uh, (laughs) Facebook Live from my computer. 
until the week when the computer screen went blank and there's my mother-in-law and wife saying, keep speaking, we can still see you. And then we added music. Uh, that was difficult. I don't know how many of you have done that. How many of you watching online try to sing? Uh, it was interesting. We, when we added music, uh, we would sit in our living room and we had it on our TV screen here. And my dog's bed was right here. And the dog would sleep through everything until we started to sing. Then he would wake up, look at us, and leave the room. <laughs> Every single time. And I'm glad that the camera wasn't on me because it just got to be this really funny thing. Like, I don't know what his problem is, uh, but, but he got up and, and left the room. Um, as I said before, we faced really hard things, really difficult things, the estrangement from people, uh, the wondering of, of will our church be there? As Blake said, I've pastored in lots of different places and I'm really connected in the PCA. I might be the Kevin Bacon of the PCA. Probably two steps, every pastor is two steps from either being in a presbytery with me or something. It's just hilarious how often that happens. But a lot of sadness. Churches folding, churches splitting. Uh, rough, rough going. I'm gonna talk about lament and I, I want you to think about this idea of what, 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 what brings sorrow to your soul. I went through a lot of things in that year and uh, things that it seems necessary to lament over. But one thing was interesting. In the midst of that, I had to put my dog down. Now, I'm telling you that because that's in a different classification. Okay? I, 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 for one, just so you know, I didn't ever adopt him. I don't like it when people say they adopted a pet. You adopt humans, you adopt children, you buy a pet. You own him. Ours got totaled three times. Here I was thinking I'm this strong man and I treat my dog as a pet, not as a member of our family. There's not a sticker on our car about him. If there is, that, that's great. And then I had to put him down and I was undone. My wife and I, we talk about stuff and sometimes we shake our hands on it like, okay, this is the last surgery, okay? This is the last one. We shake hands on it. We're like, there are children starving on or spending this much money on a dog that's really, really old. And then we did it again. And then we did it again. Around the fourth time, I'm like, okay, He's, he's, he's done. I, I, I got to put him down. Now, I'm telling you that because if anybody would have seen, if I would have seen me at the vet, I would have totally judged me. I really would have. If I would have seen me, I would have go, that guy, it's not a person. It doesn't have a soul. It's not a human. It's a How can he be so upset? It shocked me how upset I was, and I was embarrassed. But I was completely undone. I think part of it had to do with going through COVID together, sitting in my office. When I get up, he'd be with me. He'd come in and out. Sweetest, simplest, laziest animal ever. Kids from church would come visit. They'd look at him and like, does he do anything? Like, that's what he does right there. He is a master at playing dead. But the morning, the only person I felt I could go talk to was my mother-in-law because she loved him just about as much as I did and we hugged each other and we wept together and I'm like, I can't believe he's gone. I think part of it had to do with it was, it was kind of my decision, you know, today's 
today's that day. I kept wanting to have someone else make that decision, have him just go by way of nature. But our mourning does show things. Our lamenting shows things. The way we lament uh, shows what we hold close to our heart. Right? The, 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 what, what we lament shows what's important to us. Right? And we might judge other Christians by what they lament. You really feel bad about this. I was fishing uh, on Grand Lake this week. Um, I sold my boat, which is too bad. My boat was called Visitation. <clears throat> Think about it. Where's Pastor Kuiper? He's out on Visitation. Sold my boat, was with somebody, and we're fishing. And I'm with this young man, and I'm like, wow, this is a nice house. He goes, yeah, but look how far it is in the no-wake zone. How terrible would that be? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that would be just so horrible. I've got this huge lake house, but I tell you, it's just so terrible because I have a no-wake zone for at least 10 minutes before I get out to the main channel. I said, yeah, that would make me really sad. I would, and, and the kid got it. He's like, okay, okay, I know, I know, I know. You would not complain about that. But we judge people by what they complain about how they lament, what are they sorry about. It shows what's important, and then really the way we do it shows where our soul is. Our sermon in the sentence, the main point is, who are what we entrust our souls to? It is evident in our response to the day-to-day trials, and you'll see in your outline the nature of our laments, the direction of our laments, and the destination. Uh, In our text, what I love about it is he covers a whole broad scope of reasons that we would lament. Uh, The first are the troubles from my own thoughts and my own actions, verses 9 and 10. He says, because of my iniquity. And I don't know when you feel closest to the Lord, but I will tell you the moment in the week that I feel closest to the Lord is in the moment in worship, in silent confession. It's an interesting thing. I get comments from people that say, when you do that silent confession, it's not long enough. And I say, well, when I lead that part of our service, I always feel like if it's too long, everybody's out there thinking, man, he was bad this week. (laughs) But it's a time for me and for us to feel close to the Lord. We are pouring out. Here are the things that only I know about me. And they're troubling to me, O oh Lord. And I hate these things. And I'm bringing them to you. The nature of his lament is that. It is because of my iniquity. My strength, he says, it fails. My body fails. And I'm full of grief. There's troubles from his enemies. Verse 2, rescue me speedily. The net they have placed for me. They pay regard to vain idols. You know that is the nature of our enemies. The worship of idols always harms humanity. The placement of created things over created, over the creator always harms humanity. And he is saying that. They're giving idols this, this honor and glory and hope that doesn't belong to them and because of that I suffer. Verse 11 he just says it outright, because of my adversaries. And he talks about neighbors, acquaintances. Maybe you've been through grief like that where you feel like nobody wants to sit next to me at lunch. Nobody wants to sit next to me at church because my life has been hard and it's all over my face and I feel it and they feel it and I'm this big downer every time I come into a community group. 
That's where he is. They avoid me. They cross the other side of the street. Verse 12, I've been forgotten. They whisper, they scheme, and then my enemies plot to take my life. O Lord, verse 15, rescue me from the hand of my enemies and my persecutors. Troubles from our own thoughts, troubles from our enemies, and then troubles with God. As a Christian who believes in an absolute sovereign God, this really is where we end up. It's almost like we, when we go to God, we have gone to the supreme court. We have gone through all other steps, and we bring it to Him. I love how He says here in verse 22, He's really confessing, I said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight, but you heard me. He's recounting to God that there is this moment where because of all that I am facing, I thought for certain you have forgotten me. For certain you've turned your back on me. For certain you aren't here with me. For certain you can't see this. And he takes it to the Lord. Wherever they be, it's what our Christian does with our laments. Things that we struggle with ourselves and with others and with God, where do we take them? Well, we can take them to others. There are two types of people listed in this psalm, and we'll see it all through Scripture. There is the humble and the proud. There are the brothers, there's the choir master, the saints listed in our psalm, and they're the enemies of God. But who do we cry out to? Where do we take the pain? Well, we certainly do take it to others. We certainly do take it to one another. We certainly share our grief and our lament. And I, and I know that for many of us, we, we, we'd much rather be the person on the side of helping than the person on the side of needing. There's a lot of pride involved in that, and I'm one of those people. I'd much rather be the church that gives money away than the church planner who raises money. I'd much rather be that. I'd much rather be the one who, who the sad person puts their head on the shoulder than the one who needs to be reminded of the gospel. Where do we take it? Yeah, well, we definitely don't take it to the enemies of God. In, in our psalm here, we take it to the choir master. I love that. I mean, that's, and I probably talked about this going through the psalms, but, but that, that part at the beginning, to the choir master of Psalm of David, that's in the text. That's not just editorial. Okay? That's not when they put together the Bible and they put in these things to remind you of where you are. That's actually in the Masoretic text. So it's written to be sung. Right? It's right that at Trinity Church and at Three Rivers Church, all of our songs aren't happy and peppy. <laughs> it's right. It's right that we go through the whole breadth of human emotion. Because I know a lot of you, you walk in and the first thing isn't, oh, yes, I get to worship. It's, oh, boy, I wish the kids would stop fighting. Oh, boy, I wonder if everybody knows my, my wife and I take separate cars to worship. <laughs> I'm sure none of you have ever done that. But we're to sing about it. And in verse 23, all you saints... We, we take our brokenness to others. It is right and true and it's good to do that, to share that lament with other people. We take it to ourselves 
uh, we, we preach in a sense to yourselves. Again, verse 22, I had said. Uh, verse 5, into your hands I commit my spirit. Uh, you have redeemed me, O God. Verse 1, in your righteousness deliver me. It's the psalmist reminding himself of the truths of God's word. And I think it's an important thing for us to not just live by feeling, but live by our own personal sermons to tell ourselves these things over and over again. And, and then we take it towards God. Incline your ear, he says. Uh, you are my rock, you are my fortress, you rescue me. You're the one that takes me out. You're the one whose spirit I commit to. Verse 14 and 15, I trust in you. How abundant is your goodness. We take our laments to the Lord. He is entrusting to God not just his flesh and his bones, but his eternal spirit. The only eternal safety we will ever find is in the hands of the Almighty. Christian friends, we cast our anxiety on him because he cares for us. Christian friends, lead your brothers and sisters here. I said sometimes it's hard with a sovereign God. And I just mean it this way. Um, God is sovereign whether I agree with it or not. He is who he says he is. But I think sometimes as Reformed believers, we have to own up to this fact that sometimes his sovereignty makes us mad. Let me put it this way. He can change things. Like that. I mean, why would we pray to him? And deep down, we know it. Every little thing, all of creation, all creatures, and all their actions fall under his sovereignty. Look at when the king is trying to hide from the prophet, says, you, if you go into there, you're going to die. And, and he, so he hides himself, he disguises himself. And then the text says, a certain archer at random drew his bow and it caught the king between his armor. And I just love it. It, it. There's those moments where his sovereignty is such a wonderful resting thing, but let's be honest, sometimes Christian, his sovereignty is a frustrating thing because we can't make sense of it. We can't make sense of the suffering and we can't make sense of the oh how long, oh Lord. And I know that some of you are there. Now, some of you have diligently, faithfully, you've raised children, you've raised grandchildren. I met with a guy this week. Grandson is, is lost. And he's so angry. What could I have done differently? When everybody asks me that, I always say, a whole bunch of stuff. You could have done a whole bunch of stuff differently. But we're never going to rest on what we've done. We've made failures, every one of us. But we point that angry finger at the Lord and we say, I've done everything I've done on my part. You haven't done your part. But then we know he's sovereign. And so we're like, you, you, you could. Oh Lord, why? Oh Lord, how long? Oh Lord, please. And we have to take it to him. Have to rest it with him. We have to, we have to leave it with him. When I was planning in California, Man, that was a tough time. And we had this hike that I go on with our worship leader every Monday. It was a switchback. It was about three miles up this mountain road. 
And of course, he would talk as he was in shape. I would suck oxygen until we got. So he would talk about all the things that frustrated him on the way up. And, and then we'd spend some time in prayer. And I always felt like that's what we were doing. We were taking everything that we were frustrated about up the mountain, and we were leaving it there. And then we would walk down. We'd pray for those in our congregation. And it was an amazing thing. We didn't fix anything, but, but it was this process of saying, you are God and you are sovereign. And though I don't know now why you're doing what you're doing, and I may not know why you're doing what you're doing, there are things that have happened in my wife and I's life that we just don't know. Christian, it, it's not your job to tell a person why they're suffering. It, it, it really isn't. And though they seek it, did I do this wrong? Did I do that wrong? Uh, we're going to come to a table that says, uh, you've done way more wrong than you could ever know. And he's sufficient. Our job is to help him take it to the Father. And I love the honesty of the psalm. I, Lord, I had said that you had, you had left me, you turned your back on me. That's what I had said. And in the moment, that's what I was believing. But it's absolutely not true. Where will our lamenting take us? And at some points, I wish this last point was uh, next week. <laughs> because I don't think we should rush to this destination of our lamenting. Let me put it this way. One of the greatest loss that Tammy and I had, uh, we, we had a miscarriage the day we were moving to go to seminary. Um, our third son, the day we were loading up our truck, Tammy got rushed to the emergency room. We lost our child while friends were helping us pack a U-Haul van to go to seminary. The angriest I've ever been at our God. Let me tell you how the line of thinking goes. I've given up a job I love. I'm leaving a city I love. I don't really like studying. I'm not a great student. I'm doing all of this for you, God. How can you hurt this woman? hasn't complained about selling our house, our cars, our property, hasn't complained about the lifestyle that we're now choosing to move into. How can, you bring, how can you bring this pain and suffering upon someone who I know closely, I love deeply? Bring it on me. I know me. I deserve it and more, but not her, God. Why can't I take it away from her? What else do you want? We've given everything up, and now you're taking our child. We are going through all of those things, and I'm crying out to the Lord. I'm like, I'm about to go learn how to be a pastor, and I don't love this God at all right now. I'm so frustrated with this God. Now, I say don't go too quick to the destination, because sometimes when you go quick to that destination with other people, it's really, really hurtful. And so, well-meaning, well-intentioned Christians you'll be a better pastor because of it. Maybe there was something wrong with the child. <laughs> and every answer, uh, every answer, it, 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 just, it, it just fell on these deaf ears and actually angered me. I'm like, so you're saying God made a mistake, our child was messed up, and so this was, this was his kind of cleaning up his mess. Well, I'm not saying that. Well, then shut up. Just put your arm around us. Cry with us and pray with us. I don't know today why that happened. I don't know. There's really nothing that we have learned that we couldn't have learned otherwise. <laughs> I don't know. But you know what I do know? I know our God is good. I know it was not because Christ had not suffered enough 
for me or for my wife. I know that I can trust him in the midst of unknowing. And I've been with him long enough to know he is not sadistic. He does not delight in the suffering of his children, and he does not waste it. But I also know that there is a day coming when all our tears will be turned to joy. I know there is a day coming where all of a sudden there'll be this aha moment. (gasps) Oh Lord, that's what you were doing. And so I want you to think of that as I talk about where does this lamentation take you? It should take you as as it does to this closing hymn in 21 to 24. He closes with this. Uh, I have poured out all my laments, all of my fears. I've talked to other people. I have enemies. I know that there are those that are here doing that. Father, there has been times where I thought you had left me, and yet it is bringing me to worship. Here's what it does. It, it, It takes us to a focusing on God. It takes us to a focus on eternity. It takes us to an understanding of glorification, that whatever he is doing to us, even if we can't see it and others can't see it, he is turning us into what we will be, and he is maturing us. And so the psalmist goes through this process, and then David comes to verse 21, and he says, Blessed be the Lord. He has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was in a besieged city. Blessed be the Lord. Now, um, in 2 Samuel 12, David loses a child. It was the, the child that he had by committing adultery with Bathsheba. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, he loses that child. The prophet Nathan comes to him and tells him, uh, that child is going to die. And he even gives him the reason. He says, David, in, in, in the culture that you live in, uh, you've done something in public view of everyone. Everyone knows that you've committed murder and you've taken another man's wife and she's pregnant. In, in the culture, for, you, for her to have a son would be a sign of, of God's blessing and approval of what you have done. Because you've done this openly and in the public, David, for the sake of my great name, for the sake of your kingdom, for the sake of my glory, I, the child will die. And the, and the text tells us that David was so overcome. Who better to write psalms of lament? David was so overcome. He is sitting there and he says, this is happening uh, because of what I've done. This is happening as a discipline from the Lord. My sins have been forgiven. The prophet Nathan told me that. Your sins have been forgiven. They've been taken away. But to teach you and Israel a lesson for the discipline and the greatness of my holy name, this is going to happen, David. And it says he still cried out to the Lord. He cried out in such agony, such pain, that his servants were afraid he would hurt himself, the text says. They feared that he would do himself harm. And then the child died. And they come in and they tell David, the child, he asks, is is my son dead? And they said, yeah, the son is dead. And the text then reads, David got up, he he anointed his hair, he shaved, he got ready and he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped and it confused his servants his servants approached him because their thinking is we worship God when he gives us what we want we worship the living God when he has provided all the wonderful things that he has promised 
And David's thinking is, no, I absolutely worship the God of all glory when my life is at its worst. And he tells them, he said, while the child was alive, I, I mourned, I prayed, I cried. Perhaps the Lord would rescue the child. But now that he's gone, he says this beautiful phrase, I will go to him. He won't come to me. I, I hang a lot of weight on that phrase. <laughs> I will go to him. The soul that sins will die. David is certain. I go to worship the Lord because my son, though I, I didn't get to spend the time I wanted with him, he has been rescued, and I will go to him. But it is right and good to worship the Lord. And that's what this psalm does. Blessed be the Lord. He's wondrously shown his steadfast love. I said in my alarm, I'm cut off, but you heard me. The voices, my pleas for mercy. Love the Lord, you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. All you who wait for the Lord. Our God is a refuge. He is a fortress. He is a rock. David cried out to the Lord while he was alive. Christ cries out to his Father on the cross. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Our lament as a believer takes us to the very heart of God the Father. Our lament, our crying out as a Christian takes us right into the throne room of God Almighty. It's hard for us to even think that he might not understand the pain and the anguish that we face when we're reminded of his own perfect, righteous son hanging on a cross, absolutely suffering for sins he did not commit. Being forsaken, being punished, being broken for sins he did not commit. I pray the next time a lament comes upon you that you would find these words comforting, the Psalms comforting, that David writes this out and says, I want people to sing about this. I want them to remember this, that our own Savior in his flesh and blood lamented. Ours is a life of lamentation. Frequently interrupted, by times of praise. But there is a longing in the human soul to be made right. There's a longing for all things wrong to be made right. We feel it. We see it. We see people's hopes dashed with presidential elections, with children, with, with themselves. A longing to be made right. Christian, we have a place to take that lament right to our Father. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your holy and inspired word. May we not judge one another by what we lament over, but Father, may we use our sadness to drive us ever deeper into our securities, that our theology would be corrected in the midst of our struggle. Father, we thank you that you are big enough, strong enough, and gracious enough 
that we can come to you honestly when we are angry. We trust that your response is taken out on your own son. Oh, help us, Father, to know the nearness of Christ in the midst of our struggle. And help us, Father, in all things to be brought around by whatever process into worship with you. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.